It's Calgary's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, this is Mario Taniguzzi coming to you today with Calgary's podcast, a member of Canada's Podcast Network, where we talk to the entrepreneurs who are making it happen in Calgary, Alberta. So you can listen, discover, and engage. Today's guest is Jose Azardes, founder of Needham. Thanks for joining us today on our show, uh, Jose. Thanks, Mario. Thanks for having me. Let me just start by asking you, what is uh, Needham? First of all, what does the name signify? And then tell me a little bit about what Needham is. Yeah, so Needham is a, stands for nest in Latin. And basically what Needham is, Needham is a an impact HR tech company creating a VR or VR training, VR, a virtual reality training modules for high turnover businesses like restaurants, supermarkets, and coffee shops. So we can help them with their existing staffing issues that they're going through, you know, when they onboard or train a new hire. But we leverage the output for social good by sharing these training modules with a human services agencies that are working with intellectually or physically challenging individuals, immigrants, veterans, or refugees. So we can empower them with a highly relevant information uh, through their job hunting process. How did you start this and why? Hi, that's a good question. So I started this actually, I started, it started on its own, let's put it that way. Before I launched Needham, I launched a local boutique, a burger shop here in Calgary called Regrub. That was back in 2015. So that's, I think, when the whole need of my idea started, you know, what happened is that when I started interviewing people for the restaurant, there was a one girl that came to me and she had applied for a job seven times, okay, like five to seven times. She had some uh, social disabilities, but, uh, and I was very ignorant at that point. I had no idea. I was very judgmental. So, but she came one last time and she told me, Jose, I really need a job. You know, she applied for the last time and she came and talked to me and she told me, she said something that really resonated with me. And she said, Jose, I haven't had a job for three years. Nobody wants to give me an opportunity. And I was like, okay. So at that point I knew there was something wrong. So I said, you know what, come and work with me. Uh, and not surprisingly, she actually killed it. She did really, she did really good. You know, she worked for the company for almost two years. And she performed really well. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. At the beginning, it was a little bit hard. You know, she needed some extra training at the beginning. But after she got into that rhythm, she killed it. So that was actually the seed of the needle. So after that, I decided to change the HR practices at Regrub. Okay. So I decided to become very inclusive. You know, like the company now hires 25 to 35% of its workforce from these uh, vulnerable communities. Hmm. And I found that the value that that brought into the company was immense. It was really, really, was huge. So in January, I decided to commit my next entrepreneurial journey to attack this global issue. Okay, so I decided to move on from that company that I created back in 2015 and decided to commit to attack this global issue by joining an incubator in Copenhagen and in the Valley, uh, an impact incubator that basically puts entrepreneurs together that are willing to attack a global issue by merging it with emerging technologies. Mm -hmm. And this incubator is run by Singularity University, which is a very relevant name, you know, when it comes down to emerging technologies and global issues. 
So I did that in April, this uh, April in 2019. And that's when Needham basically uh, started. Tell me just a little bit about the benefits uh, for an employer uh, to hire people uh, which you're speaking. So that's actually a very good point. So before I start talking about the benefits, okay, uh, it's necessary for people to understand that in order for you to do an impact, in order for you to attack the global uh, issue, you have to create some business value, okay? And that's what Needham is all about. Needham is basically a creative uh, business model. So what we did, we were able to create a pure business value proposition for businesses because they were having issues with staffing issues. And what we did, we were just able to extract some of that value that we created for the business and we are leveraging that for social good. And the reason why I'm saying that is because all the companies want to be inclusive. It doesn't work that way. You know, the reason why I became inclusive, the reason why Rigor became inclusive is because I was, I'm, a, I'm an immigrant, just like most of us in Canada are. And my mom and my dad was also an immigrant in the country that I was born. So I was basically related to it. But for some companies to become inclusive, they have to basically start seeing the business value proposition. So um, that's the reason why there's a movement nowadays with these impact startups. So what they do, they create, um, they solve a problem for these businesses and they allow them to move into a, an impact side, whether it's climate or social. So in our case, it's the inclusiveness. Mm-hmm. So now going to the benefits, what we found is that for comp- when companies they become inclusive, the culture of the company starts changing. Okay, mm-hmm. the um, engagement that you have with your employees it starts changing dramatically. Your employees are not seeing the company as a, just as a bottom line type of a financial company, but they're also seeing the company as a as a company that is trying to uh, either give back to the community or to attack a social issue. And that's one of the biggest, biggest um, benefits that uh, companies will have. And the, the next one is that these communities are highly reliable. They're very committed. Why? Because they face skepticism and they face rejection through the whole job, job hunting process. You know, like the unemployment rate for these communities is six times higher than one that we face. So when they get an opportunity, they just grab it and they just commit to it and they perform. It may take them a little bit longer, but that's, that's what you get. Okay, when you engage with these communities. Now, you're based in Calgary. What are the benefits uh, for you as a company being based and doing business in Calgary? One is that Calgary is a very friendly, family-driven city. Like uh, the lifestyle that you can have here in Calgary is very simple but good. When I mean simple, it's not in a bad way. Simple in a way that uh, transportation is good. Finding a good paying job is actually good as well. Uh, so um, it's easy for you to set uh, your family here. And another thing that I just realized a couple um, months ago is the amount of um, private or government programs that are set in place for either small and medium enterprises or startups to basically get going. So I, I think that's actually one of the things that I found lately that I didn't know before. Now, would you recommend, well, first of all, before asking that question, I'll ask you, uh, you know, what are the current challenges you face doing business specifically by being in Calgary? It all depends on the type of business that you want to do. Okay. So if you're a tech company, you're going to find some challenges when it comes down to the capital, you know, how the capital is being deployed Mm -hmm. in order for you to actually scale a company. So I think that's the biggest challenge that I face. 
but more, mainly because I'm a tech company. But if you're a small and medium enterprise, you may not find that issue. Okay. So, but coming down to Needham and me as a tech entrepreneur, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that I'm facing right now. Why would you recommend uh, Calgary to entrepreneurs looking to start a business? I think Calgary is an up-and-coming entrepreneurial city. And when I raise my tone a little bit when I said entrepreneurial, yeah. because again, it, it varies on whether, what kind of entrepre- entrepreneurial project you want to do. So it is an up-and-coming entrepreneurial hub. It's still a little bit infant when it comes down to technology, but it's getting there. Okay, it'll take some time to get there. But in general, it is an up-and-coming um, entrepreneurial city. What I also found is that there's a lot of talent here. Hmm. There's a lot of talent. You just have to dig deeper. And the talent that you'll find here will be a lot more cost-effective than the talent that you may find in other hubs, you know, technology hubs like uh, Austin, Boston, Copenhagen. I'm not even going to talk about the Valley because that's a total different game. Okay, But that's what I think one of the benefits of launching a, a tech startup here in Calgary. What's your vision uh, for the company as you look forward and into the future? The, the vision slash mission of the company is to make inclusion a de facto business practice. And what I mean with a de facto business practice mm-hmm. is that it's something that is not optional. So the whole idea of a needle is that we want to do the same thing that Fairtrade did back in the days with the coffee, with the coffee industry. Back in the 80s or in the 90s, the, the coffee industry was not a fair throughout the whole supply chain. That's the reason why fair trade came in. They wanted to make sure that the producers of the coffee back in Africa or Central America or South, Af- uh, South America were properly uh, treated, you know, when it comes down to the money that was going down to the supply chain, mm-hmm. okay? And what, ha- what they did, it took them, it took them 10, to, 10 to 20 years to do that. But now if you go out there, if you go here in Canada and you go to a coffee shop or a coffee roastery and you know that they don't have fair trade practices, most likely the market will not entertain or uh, support that business. That's basically, it just became a de facto business standard. Right. So it's the same thing that we want to do with inclusion. What I see, uh, not just with the company, but as what I visualize in the world is that at 10 to 20 years down the road, inclusion is not an option for companies. It'll, it'll have to be embedded into their operations and it'll have to be embedded into their business model. What's been your biggest challenge in setting this business up? That's actually a good question. What's been the understanding what I wanted to do with the company? So what happens as an entrepreneur, you sometimes there's a lot of, I'll say emotions. Yeah, a lot of emotions that go through you. And sometimes you have to understand what's, what's happening. Okay. You have to understand why you're building a company, why you want to do why. Uh, what you want to do. Sometimes it's ego. Sometimes it's uh, fame. Sometimes it's money. You know, and there's nothing wrong with any of those. But you just have to understand what they are. Because what happens, that's what's going to drive you. And that's what's going to allow you to make decisions. That was the biggest thing that I had to go through. And if I, if I can add something else, I think it was serendipity. Actually, I know it's going to sound kind of stupid and crazy, but <laughs> I think it was serendipity that allowed me to actually start the company. You know, it was a, like a amount of a, different events that happened in my life that basically put me in a spot for me to understand that this is something that I wanted to do. As an entrepreneur, uh, you know, you get ideas all over the place uh, in terms of stuff for your business. 
What are the kind of things that you do away from the office that may be, you know, any activities or pursuits that you do that you get inspiration uh, from uh, and ideas come flowing, uh, you know, about your company? There's one, traveling. Uh-huh. That's the airports. Airports and traveling. And what I mean traveling is not for business. And what I mean traveling is not for tourism. So when I travel, I do it with a, for exploration purposes. And I, I know it sounds kind of weird, but uh, that's what I found the majority of the, my inspiration and aha moment or just by exploring new cities, new cultures. I found that when I travel, when I explore cities, I'm able to not compare, but I'm able to see different uh, trends. So let's say that I was before I was in the restaurant uh, food and hospitality industry and I traveled to Austin or I traveled to Tokyo, I found different trends that maybe at the, in my city back uh, here in Calgary were not, even, were not here or that I found that they could be matched with something that was going on here. So I think that's one of the biggest things that I've done in the last five years that allowed me to find inspiration, ideas, uh, also for best benchmarking purposes. Speaking of travel, you have a favorite place that you've visited? Uh, yeah, Tokyo. Oh, wow. <laughs> Why? Yeah, Tokyo is ah, just a society. It's not even the place. It's just society is so different. Like uh, you go to Tokyo. Tokyo is one of the biggest cities in the world. But when you go into the city, you also find that it's one of the cleanest, most peaceful, and organized cities in the world. Yeah, well, even with all those people, right? That's what I'm saying. It, just, it didn't make any sense because I, I gone there uh, two times. I went there in 2013. And I just came back from Tokyo. And the reason why I went to Tokyo is because I needed inspiration for me to go to start this process. Just with all those people, I find that they find a way to keep everything very clean, organized, very, very peaceful. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received about being an entrepreneur? Plan for the worst case scenario, I guess. That was actually my, one of my mentors at Sankor. I used to work at Sankor Energy when I graduated from my master in engineering, he, he became my boss, but then he became basically more like a mentor to me. He told me, Jose, always plan for worst scenario. You know, like, uh, you may not tell people what, what your plan is for worst scenario, but at least as you know it, then you'll be able to at least uh, react and don't get blindsided. So hmm. I think, and I've been applying that since um, for everything, for corporate, after I went to my entrepreneurial journey, even for my life. So how does somebody that was an engineer become an entrepreneur in the food industry? I, I actually get that question <laughs> quite often. So I became an engineer, not because I wanted to become an engineer. I became an engineer because I know engineers, they have a different mindset. Okay, so engineers, basically the whole mindset of engineers is to resolve issues with the least possible resources. So I knew engineering was going to be just a stepping stone into my entrepreneurial journey. So that's the reason why I did engineering. And then I went into corporate because I wanted to get basically the structure and the process-driven mindset that corporate corporations have. And why I ended up in the food and hospitality industry before I launched Needham, I think what happened before, before that, before Regal, before that local boutique burger shop that I did, I did a software company here in Calgary and related to the oil and gas. And I had my first taste of um, technology. So it went well. But then after I, we had some issues with IP, then I decided to basically do something more grounded. 
technology, sometimes it can get you out of uh, too much out there. I decided to do something more on my, more grounded, something that I could do on my own. I'm not a technical founder by any means, so, but I could be a cook. I could be a, a chef, right? And although I didn't want to, I could do it on my own. So that's the reason. And the other reason is because when I came back to Calgary, I found that there was a gap in the food and hospitality industry. So there were either restaurants that had a burger section or burger joints. So I found a gap in the middle, basically for like a brand-driven burger uh, shop. And that's the reason why I did it. You know, so you have the engineering background, you got the technology background, you've got food and industry background. If you weren't doing what you're doing right now, is there anything you'd, you'd like to do that, as a career or a profession? Yeah, actually, like it has crossed my mind, even uh, when I was uh, jumping between uh, my last uh, entrepreneurial project, Regrab, and now Needham, I was in that process. I, it actually came into my mind. I'll say, if you don't do entrepreneurship, what would you do? I think I would be working for a startup, but maybe not early stage, maybe a little more established on the product development department. Mm, I consider okay. myself a little bit of a um, creative uh, person. I think those two attributes that allows me to um, manage product development really well. So yeah, I could see myself working with a more established startup, uh, maybe in Copenhagen or in Berlin. So everybody these days has a bucket list, something that uh, they'd like to do in their lives at some point. Is there anything that uh, is on the top of your bucket list on the personal level, not, uh, not business? I think there's two things that come to mind. One is that uh, I, would, I would love to have the chance at least to travel to space, not talking Mars, not talking <laughs> Moon, at least just go out, see the Earth from outside and then come back. I know people that are going to have that chance. I don't know if I'm going to have that chance uh, within my lifetime, but that'll be awesome if I could experience that. And the other one is that, uh, and I think this is actually more important, I would love to have the chance to have a deep conversation with my kid. That's actually on my, on my bucket list, like uh, to have a deep intellectual or even personal conversation with my kid. How old is yeah. your son? He's uh, four years old. And the reason why I say that is because, um, uh, and this is also one of the reasons I didn't mention it before, because I normally, uh, I share it. I normally share it, but it's just, it normally comes uh, organically. And when my kid was born uh, four years ago, he was diagnosed with uh, Down syndrome. Remember when I told you about serendipity? Yes. That's why I started the the company. That was actually the last event that happened in my life that told me, Jose, you got to go and basically commit the next phase of your entrepreneurial life to attack this global issue. Uh-huh. And the reason why I said that is one of my bucket list is because um, sometimes depending on the severity of the Down syndrome, kids with uh, this diagnosis are able to talk or not. So that's the reason why it's uh, right there on my bucket list. Because I remember all the, the deep talks that I yeah. had with my dad and with my mom, and I would love to have those kind of deep talks with my kid. Uh, interesting, yeah. How would you describe yourself in a word and why? Resilient. I'll say that I'm a, like I, sometimes like when I talk, I'm talking with my girlfriend or just with a relative, like a, I think I developed this a rubber ball skill, you know, meaning that anybody in personal, professional or business, you go through a lot of setbacks. So um, I'm very resilient. Okay. I'm able to get back. I'm not going to say that I enjoy failing or going through setbacks. 
but I don't know, there's something in me that uh, gives me that energy, maybe not the same day, but the day after that allows me to get back and just say, you know what, just figure it out. Okay. Find your way to, to get back up and to, to get, to get out there. Do you have a a daily routine, something that, uh, like a ritual that you do every day? I try. I'll be honest with you. I read this in many, many, many books, you know, about having a ritual, getting up, uh, meditate, exercise. I try, but I haven't been able to actually set a, a habit, but I do see the value of having a habit. So depending on where I'm, if right now I'm building the, the company, I need to be basically committed to the company 18 hours a day. You know, depending on the stage of the company, you have more free time. Well, I, I guess the only habit that I have in the morning that it actually that I don't let go sideways, whether it's good or not, is that um, I have two espressos in the morning. Oh, that's good. So I, do I. I, <laughs> I get up in the morning and I have two espressos. And then if I have time to listen to some meditation and music, then I do it. And if I don't, but that's the only thing that I don't change. I haven't changed yet. In terms of reading, do you, do you like to read uh, you know, the books and stuff like that? I love reading now. When I was in school, high school, or even university, I hated reading. Oh, wow. It was until I did my MBA at a McGill in Montreal. In order for you to join the first, day, the first week, you had to read this book called The World is Flat. Thomas Friedman, if I remember well. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that book showed me the, the power of uh, reading, reading and getting knowledge from other people. So since then, I read and I read it, not only business, but also personal, depending on what I'm going through. Now, I'm going to uh, present a scenario to you and uh, see how you react to it. So just imagine a beautiful tropical island sort of in the middle of the ocean, and there's only one phone booth there and with no internet, no other technology. Now, we're going to drop you off there. You can spend as much time as you want there and making a phone call back to us if you want to leave. Now, how long do you think it would take you before you make that phone call and say, hey, I want to get out of here? <laughs> and what do you think you'd be doing there? I guess uh, the time for me to realize whether I want to call back or not, it'll be based on how scared I am of being in a new place. So I'll be honest, if I, I'm a, when it comes down to wild animals or anything like that, I'm, I become a, a wuss. <laughs> so it, it all depends on how scared I am of being in a new place. But if I realize it is a peaceful place, it's a place that I can basically embrace for thinking, for just enjoying myself, it'll take me longer. So if I'm scared, I'll call right away within, within, within minutes or hours. Um, <laughs> but if I find that, that it's peaceful and that I'm safe there, it'll take me a, a longer for sure. So Jose, is there anything you'd like to add before you leave us today? Yes, there's actually one thing that I want to make sure that, uh, two things that I want people to, to know about the type of companies that, uh, the type of company that I'm creating. And not only me, because there's a bunch of uh, companies that are being created this way. There's a new wave of companies, startups uh, being created. Okay. And that's the reason why Needham, I classify it as an impact HR tech company. Mm-hmm. The impact tag has a huge, um, not value, but it has a huge pressure to it. So when I spent time in Copenhagen and in Western Europe, I realized that the startup community is actually moving away from just creating companies to solve a business problem. There are actually these companies in, like, let's say, Berlin, Copenhagen, Estocolm, London. 
they not only attack a business issue or a pain point, they know that they have to have an impact, whether it's climate or prosperity or social attached to it. And it's not a, an option. It becomes a business standard. Okay, and it's crazy how this is happening in these uh, areas of the world, like the Nordics or Western Europe. Now it's happening in Canada and it's happening in the States. I just want to let every entrepreneur out there that when you're thinking about creating a company or launching a startup, think about how you can create business value, but how can you leverage that business value in order for you to attack a global issue and global issues can be anything can be prosperity climate change like i said before so that's Mm -hmm. one message that i want to send out there and the other message that i want to send out is that in order for you to create an impact company or a company that is attacking a global issue you don't have to be related to it you know in terms of a because most people will say okay jose you're you're doing an inclusive uh, hr tech company because your whole family were immigrants, you know, from the beginning all the way to the end, now all the way to Canada. And also uh, you experienced some uh, inclusion issues, you know, when you launched your last company and even more uh, related to it, you know, you have a, a kid that was uh, diagnosed with Down syndrome. Like, I just want to make sure that people don't see it that way, you know, because one of the biggest issues that we have nowadays with social issues is bystanderism. You know, is when we have people experiencing global issues or climate issues and they just they're just a bystander so that's actually one of the the biggest messages that i want to send out there for you to create an impact company you don't have to be related to the problem you just have to be passionate about it okay super thanks a lot uh, jose for joining us today on calgary's podcast hey there thanks for taking the time today to listen to calgary's podcast on canada's podcast network We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes and then connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn at Canada's Podcast. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. See you next time.